Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share our podcast has been nominated in Boise Weekly's annual Best of Boise contest. And while it's an honor to be nominated, I have to admit it would be even more fun to win. If we've helped you connect to the city you love, go to the link in the show notes to vote for us by May 23rd. Thanks, Boise. Today on CityCast Boise, for the second installment of our fall getaway series, where we share our best tips for making the most of this short, sweet season, I've got Graham McBride with me for a haunted Idaho road trip to Silver City. We're talking history highlights, creepy hotels, and why PBS once called this old ghost town the sixth most haunted site in America. It's Tuesday, September 26th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Graham. Hi, Emma. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. We had quite the adventure yesterday. Had you ever been to Silver City before? I have. Yeah, I went uh, as a kid and didn't really remember it. My dad loved ghost ghost towns, so we would travel around and see them. Uh, a few years ago, though, I went back and uh, I will say it hasn't changed much. No, <laughs> I have done uh, three tours of duty uh, chaperoning field trips for my children uh, I don't know. I think they do it in fourth or sixth grade. I can't exactly remember. It's been it's quite a few grade, years now. Yeah. Fourth grade, yeah. Idaho history year. Um, but we did field trips up there with a bunch of kids and uh, stayed at the campground. And it's a very fun thing to do with kids. And uh, it did feel a little weird yesterday when we were there to not be um, yelling, don't touch that, get off that. <laughs> so you're going to get, you're going to get tetanus. Don't do that. <laughs> I didn't have to yell at you one time even. So no, well, and it did feel like we were, uh, at least yesterday, I know it was the you know middle of the day, middle of the week, but we felt like we were the only tourists that were there. There was definitely some people in town and in their buildings, but I didn't think that there was a lot of people. Yeah. I think we were the only ones. Yeah, definitely. Which makes sense because I feel like a lot of people haven't actually ever been up there because the drive can be a bit daunting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you were uh, definitely a champ. I know that I was kind of hauling it down those uh, steep, <laughs> windy, narrow dirt roads. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you uh so holding fast, but it is definitely it is definitely a road that you need a high terrain vehicle. We had to put it in four wheel drive. There was you know we were slipping without it, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely come prepared. Yeah, I feel like in the summer you could maybe if you're a very experienced back road driver get away with you know taking a sedan out there. Sure, but definitely if there's any amount of water on that road, you're no. gonna want four wheel drive, and it's impossible in the winter. It's completely Absolutely. you have to snowmobile it's, back. So yeah, 
there's no way. And also remember that there are absolutely no services in Silver City uh, in limited self reception even. So it's it's really advisable that you come prepared because it could be very difficult to get yourself out of a sticky situation. Yeah, no gas up there, which is an important thing to remember. Uh, and uh, very limited service. If you're there on a very busy weekend, you might be able to uh, get into one of the little mercantile stores, but I have no idea what they sell in there. It could literally just be knickknacks. So you might yes. be, if you're like, oh, I'll just grab a sandwich up there, you're probably not going to be able to do that. Um, but also, just so people know, fun things to do on the way, right? Like we stopped at Map Rock. Yeah, uh, very cool uh, series of petroglyphs along the Snake River south of Lake Lowell. Uh, really beautiful, be- beautiful spot. Uh, and really cool to connect with the indigenous history of the area. Yeah, and also you can stop on the way at, we didn't have time, but War Eagle Mountain and the mine right next to there is actually really pretty fascinating. And uh, indigenous site, War Eagle Mountain, uh, just tons and tons of quartz crystals just sort of everywhere, just kind of falling off in chunks and stuff. And then the mine, actually, you you can drive down and kind of tour around there. I've taken the kids to do that before, so... Kind of, it's about a two, two and a half hour drive, but you can break it up a little bit and and go see some other things. Um, You told me yesterday that while researching the history of Silver City, that uh, it kind of started to like get to you. For sure. It's, it's hard in our modern lens to look back at history sometimes. And unfortunately, the history of the colonization of the West uh, was very violent um, and is, can be kind of hard to stomach, I would say, with today's values. I think it's important to remember that society progresses when what was once considered to be an inconvenience becomes a true injustice. And so when we look at some of these stories of Silver City, of the history of the West, we can remember that although we did a lot of really terrible things then, and of course we're doing terrible stuff now, even unconsciously, but we are trying our best and believe it or not even even back then those people were really trying their best and they were trying to create a better life for themselves yeah even it was interesting cuz even some of the books that you had gotten on silver city from the library uh th- like you were showing me the language in there is so racist and so brutal and so casually cruel yeah. um you know stories about uh like ways that children tormented the Chinese immigrants and kind of like laugh, like laughing about it in these old, these books from like the 1920s and 1908 and stuff. So, but give us some history highlights. I thought one of the most fascinating things, which I've been up there a bunch and had never heard was that there used to be this huge Chinatown in uh, Silver City. Definitely. Yeah. There was a significant Chinese population. The mining industry attracted a lot of Chinese uh, immigration to work in the mines, and Idaho had quite a few. There was up to 5,000 Chinese people in the 1860s in southern Idaho. Um, And in the south end of town of Silver City, there was a significant Chinatown with businesses, with fraternal organizations. They had their own Masonic Lodge. It was a real thriving town. 
I was surprised to like how thriving I was surprised. Like you said that they're at in it during its heyday. It had dozens of streets, 75 businesses, around 2,500 people living there, which you would not expect. Like right now, there's like 15 buildings, maybe 25, maybe. I think in total, and this is including all sorts of shanties and shacks, there's there's about a little under 100 um, buildings that still remain. But yeah, at its peak, it was it was definitely a thriving town, and you know some of the largest stagecoach lines in the West operated in the area. Uh, Silver City had the first Telegraph. They also had the first daily newspaper in the whole territory of Idaho, the Hawaii Avalanche, which is still published uh, since 1874. Telephones were in use there by at least 1880. And the town was actually electrified in the 1890s and stayed electrified until the 1940s. Which is so interesting because interesting it doesn't have electricity now. And there was this very steep decline there that you told me about. Yes. Yeah. I, one historian described it as, as when, uh, you know, during the Great Depression, when the, the mines were hit really hard and the population decreased a lot and the town lost its county seat. It was the county seat of Owyhee County. It declined in inches and just slowly, you can see in the census records, just every decade, it was just losing, you know, 25% of the population, 50% of the population, you know, just down and down and down until it got to be the single digits when finally the last resident, full-time resident of Silver City uh, passed away in 1968. And tell tell us about, uh, I thought this was so fascinating, like basically why there's no buildings there anymore is because... Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, a lot of ghost towns, you know, burned down, but Silver City has escaped that. And really the the main reason why a lot of the buildings aren't there, of course, some of them have been left to deteriorate. But after World War II, there was a housing shortage and a, you know, a supply shortage. Uh, and there was a lot of buildings that were dismantled and their wood was reused in, in newer construction in other places around Silver City in order to house families that no longer lived uh, in the area. Well, let's get to the hauntings, because that's what we went up there. We went up because Silver City is uh, notoriously haunted. It was once called the sixth most haunted site in America by PBS's This Old House. Uh, and it, I feel like we maybe missed out on this. We didn't experience any hauntings. But <laughs> the Idaho Hotel up there has uh, a, apparently quite a history with hauntings. Yeah, definitely. There is uh, all sorts of stories of of ghosts in rooms, uh, a former owner who allegedly haunts the the place after he killed himself in the hotel, uh, a lady made of lace who flies around, um, strange noises, all sorts of uh, orbs of light. There was an audio recording that uh, an audio engineer uh, had captured that uh, captured a you know a strange voice saying "Don't move." Um, all sorts of strange happenings going on at the Idaho Hotel. And uh, one of the things I read said a guest even claimed that a ghost bit him once. But then when you read the story, he said he felt someone next to him uh, who was whispering, and he put his hand over her mouth, the ghost's mouth. <sighs> And then she bit him. And I was like, yeah, rude. What are you doing, Chushin yeah. women? Good for this feminist ghost biting yes. you. How dare you? 
You don't shush women. <laughs> also, the, Masa- the Masonic Lodge, uh, the Idaho Hotel, if, if you have not been to Silver City, I am not trying to knock uh, the owners of the hotel, but I would not stay there. And I have stayed in some rough places, but there is no uh, running water, no electricity at the hotel, and the rooms are pretty tiny. And uh, if there was going to be a haunted place in uh, in Idaho, I would say it's probably the Silver City Idaho Hotel. Don't you feel like that's fair? I would agree, yeah. It has real vibes. Like, we'll yes. put some, we have some pictures we'll put on our Instagram and stuff, but uh it's got a real haunted vibe, but also they say that the Masonic Lodge is also haunted. Uh, the sci-fi show Haunted Highway went out there a few years ago, and they brought a medium, and she said she felt tons of ghosts in mm. the Masonic Lodge, but um, that they are just very chill ghosts. And she said they just mostly want to be left alone, and they really prefer people didn't come in and traipse around the lodge. But more interesting than that, I don't know why I find this so interesting, is this fun fact you told me about the Masonic Lodge being built over water. Oh, it's very cute. So I I don't really understand why, but the Masonic Lodge was built over Jordan Creek, which is the creek that runs through town. And it's very sweet. So on the on the ground floor of the of the lodge, there is a large meeting room, which they would also use to hold, you know, dances and other society events. And so as people were dancing across the the dance floor, they would joke that they were crossing the Jordan because they're going across <laughs> the Jordan Creek. Um, which, yeah, I I I love a little pun like that. Yeah. Very cute. Even we didn't get to go in, but we poked our heads around everywhere. Um, lots of beautiful historic buildings, the church, the school, the houses themselves. Um, wow. I loved this quote that you had sent me uh, that said, you'll never meet an old man, old man prouder of their shacks than the old men who own shacks up here. I just that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and there are like all these funny little houses that people have like kept up, you know, historically <laughs> over the years, which is so neat. I do want to I want to bring this up to you. We were in this, you know, a very small town. Like you said, we were the only tourists. There were a handful of locals, people who own buildings and stuff hanging around. We did see the owner of the hotel out there. Um, But I noticed when we got there that you were wearing a gay pin, like you're gay and that you were wearing a queer pin. And I just wanted to tell you, like, that to me is one of the most punk rock things I've ever seen, Uh, that you are in probably uh, one of the backest backcountry spots in Idaho, you know, some real try that in a small town shit. And you were just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to wear my gay pin. But then, and I thought that was really cool for one thing, but also then you told me that Silver City has some queer history, which is very surprising. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was surprised too, uh, doing my research. Um, so, you know, as a tall, white, cis man with a military haircut, uh, wearing <laughs> Wranglers and a camo baseball cap, um, I definitely quote unquote pass in a place like Silver City. But I think it's really important to remind people, regardless of their opinions, um, that they see that there are queer people everywhere and have been everywhere and always exist and will always exist. Um, And even in Silver City. And so, you know, of course, initially I was surprised, but in reality, uh, there's queer stories everywhere. So it was cool to hear at least this one that was at least somewhat documented. But there was a trans man named Little Joe Monahan, and he was he initially came to Silver City in 1867 as a minor 
and uh, then became a successful rancher in town and lived in Silver City until he passed away in 1904. And it wasn't until after his death that it had been uh, revealed that he had been actually born a woman in in New York. And uh, I thought it was very touching, but his whole life, he kept in contact with uh, his sister in in Buffalo, New York. And uh, he had actually even sent a photograph of himself uh, to her. And so there is uh, a photograph of of this man who was able to you know live in in this small town and at a time when you know in small towns it was every every member of that community was was vital and important and I think it was at a an interesting time where there was a lot of people who came west for all sorts of all sorts of reasons and to you know kind of create new identity for themselves and uh, it was an opportunity to be part of a community and you know even if it was an open secret you know I don't know how well he was able to hide this, but it doesn't sound like the people of Silver City cared much because, you know, he was part of their community. Yeah, a good reminder, like you said, that queer history is history. It's it's just part of our history for sure. All right. Well, overall impression of Silver City, what do you think? Oh, it's so cute and charming and romantic. I mean, really, it's it was so pretty. We got there, you know, just on the very, very verge of it being fall. And so the aspens, some of the aspens were just starting to turn yellow. And, you know, there was, you know, the red from the huckleberries and the currant bushes. Um, and yeah, really really gorgeous time of the year. Um, and I love Silver City. And I hope that it gets preserved in amber and these old men preserving these these shacks. Keep, keep on keeping it on because it is a really, really charming place. It really is. And you pointed out when we were there that it doesn't have the movie set feel of like Virginia City or right. maybe these more classically preserved ghost towns. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel fake in, in any way. It really feels like you're stepping kind of back in this moment of history. I, I think it's perfect. You know, we went a little early, but if, if you're listening to this, October is really the time to go. The trees will be changing. It's going to be so gorgeous. And like you said, just a sweet, special, romantic little trip. Bring a picnic. Uh, sit by the creek, eat, we sat by the creek and uh, ate sandwiches together. And uh, just a just a such a fun little trip. So overall, would you recommend go again? I'm mine is a big yes, we're going again. (laughs) Oh, same. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, it sounds like I will will see you there next year. And I don't know, maybe this is just a standing date we have Graham, we head to Silver City every every October. I love it. Let's do it. Let's bring ATVs next time. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. (laughs) All right, Graham. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. You can find more fall getaway ideas and tips in our daily newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye. Bye.